city center. I'm a resident of city center of the San Francisco Zen Center. Um, currently, I am a uh, tenzo, uh, which is, which means the head of the kitchen. Uh, I have been tenzo for a year at the city center now. Uh, so tonight, and this is my second talk this year. The last time I gave a talk was in January. And um, I talked about uh, the book called Tenzo Kyokun, uh, which uh, means instructions for the Zen cook, uh, which was written by Dogen Zenji, who is the founder of the uh, San Francisco, I mean, the Soto, our Zen school, Soto Zen school. Um, and the San Francisco Zen Center is part of that. Um, so um, just a brief background of this Tenzo uh, Kyokun. Uh, Dogen, um, when he was 23 years old, he traveled to China um, to practice. And he had a big, this big question about Zen practice. He didn't really understand that when the Buddhism teaches that everyone's Buddha, everyone's already enlightened, everyone's perfect, everything is perfect. And his question was, uh, so why do we have to practice? And really he couldn't find a satisfying answer from any, uh, from any uh, Japanese uh, teachers. So and that was his big motivation to go to China. Um, so, you know, Back then, traveling to China was a very dangerous um, trip. Uh, so about took, uh, took him about a couple of months to get to China on the ship. And when his ship arrived at the port, uh, the city called Nimbo, uh, he couldn't disembark right away uh, because uh, uh, he had some visa issues there and uh, uh, the Chinese officials have to process uh, his documents. And because of that, he was stuck in a ship for a few months. And so you can imagine how frustrated he was. Young Dogen, um, he was eager to go to China. Uh, but then one day, uh, this Chinese Tenzo uh, came to the ship to buy Japanese mushrooms. And today I would like to introduce uh, this little story and uh, dialogue between Dogen and the Chinese Tenzo and how important uh, it was for him. And it had a huge impact on his practice. So first, um, I'm going to share this document uh, with you all. So I'm going to put the link in the chat.
There we go. I hope that works. Okay, so you know, uh, I couldn't do the whole book, <laughs> and that would take so much time. So um, I just be um, copying and pasted the um, one section that I would like to read. About two page long, so maybe take won't take that long. Okay, I'm going to read. You can imagine. So this is when uh, Dogen. Um, encountered this Chinese Tenzo who came to the ship to buy mushrooms and he was so excited. So um, the first Dogen saying this, you can imagine how fortunate I feel that we were able to meet unexpectedly like this. If it's possible, I wish you would stay a while longer and allow me to offer you something more. I'm sorry, but that is impossible just now. If I'm not there tomorrow to prepare the meal, it will not be made well. Surely there must be others in place as large as Ayuwan, which is a temple that Chinese monks came from, who are capable of preparing the meals. They will not be that inconvenienced if you are not there, will they? I have been put in charge of this work in my old age. It is, so to speak, the practice of an old man. How can I entrust all that work to others? Moreover, when I left the temple, I did not ask for permission to stay, stay out overnight. But why, when you're so old, do you, why do you do the hard work of Tenzel? Why do you not spend your time practicing Zazen or working on the koans of former teachers? Is there something special to be gained from working particularly as a Tenzel? He burst out laughing and remarked, my good friend from abroad, you do not yet understand what practice is all about, nor do you know the meaning of characters. When I heard this old monk's words, I was taken aback and felt greatly ashamed. So I asked him, what are characters and what is practice? He replied, if you do not deceive yourself about this problem, you will be a man of the way. At the time, I was unable to grasp the meaning of these words. If you do not understand, please come to Mount Aiwan sometime, and we will talk about the nature of characters more fully. With that, he rose quickly. It is getting late, and the sign's about to set. I'm afraid I cannot stay any longer. And he left for Mount Aiwan. In July of the same year, I stayed on Mount Tiantong. One day, the Tenzo from Aiwan came to see me. He said, as the summer practice period has ended, I shall be retiring as Tenzo and trying to return home. I heard that you were here and wanted very much to talk with you and see how you were doing. I was indeed happy to see him and receive him cordially. We talked about various things and finally came to the matter he had touched on, on it, aboard the ship concerning the practice and the study of characters. He said, a person who studies characters must know just what characters are, and one intending to practice away must understand what practice is. I asked him once again, what are characters? One, two, three, four, five, he replied. What is practice? There is nothing in the world that is hidden. Although we talked about many other things, I will not mention them here. Whatever little bit I have learned about characters and practice is largely due to that tenzo. 
when I met him, when I met again with my teacher, Milzen, who later died in China, and told him of my meeting with Kenzo from Mount Taiwan, he was extremely happy to hear about it. Later on, I came across the Gatha Zuedu had written for one of his disciples. One, seven, three, five. The truth you search for cannot be grasped. As night advances, a bright moon illuminates the whole ocean. The dragon jewels are found in every way. Looking for the moon, it is there in this way, in the next. So, if you read this for the first time, it may look um, quite puzzling. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's um, poetic. So, we read the Tenzo Kyokun at the city center in a kitchen every morning and section by section. And uh, so I, I can't count how many times I have read this because I've been Tenzo for a year <laughs> and I'll be reading this over and over and over. And to me, uh, this book um, um, is a never ending learning for me. Uh, it's like chewing chewy food, <laughs> and the more you chew, you, you, you get something new every day. Even today, I'm learning every day something new in here, um, and definitely deepening my understanding of Zen practice. Um, so before you get to, you know, talk about this text, um, I think it's very important to clarify what we really want. Right? Why are you practicing? Why are you on this path? Um, people have different uh, desires and different understanding of the spiritual practice. So one thing I think it's safe to say that, that is same for everyone is that um, um, everyone wants to be happy, right? Everyone wants to be at peace and living in, our, in a world, uh, quite often we struggle, you know, and there are challenges in everyday life. And so maybe meditation is a means to have a peace of mind for some people, but just, uh, you know, get a, a mental break, um, have a calm, peaceful mind. Well, some, for some people, maybe it is a, a path to seek the truth and the clarity. Um, well, it can be enlightenment. Um, whatever it is, you know, and, and, you know, in this busy world, um, in an immediate world, maybe you want something more tangible, and it can be a new house or, or relationship or car or money, respect and reputation, things like that. Um, and, you know, um, so far I have been practicing intensively 
at the Zen Center for seven and going eight years now. And before that, I went to Japanese Zen Temple and practiced for a little bit. And, um, and before that, I used to work in a regular job, nine to five. And, and uh, when I was 20 years old, I came, to, I came to the United States from Japan and I studied in a university and uh, graduated with a computer science degree and uh, got a job. And yeah, you know, back then I was not interested in uh, religion or Zen or anything. Back then I was just uh, pursuing the American dream uh, and which kind of came uh, a crushing halt and, and realized that, uh, yeah, these things I was wanting was not the answer to uh, my own happiness. So um, what I realized is that um, we try so hard and try to control in the outside world. Outside world, what I mean is as opposed to inside our mind, yeah, inside our body mind, and outside ourselves, we try to control things and manipulate things to create a world that, it, that would make, uh, make us feel good, right? It can be financial security, it can be relationship, uh, you know, whatever it is. And over and over, you know, uh, through my own experience and other people's experiences, it, it became clear to me that that's not really the answer. Um, so things, whatever that, whatever things that you want, it's not what you really want, right? What you really want is to feel good. Isn't that true? To feel good about yourself and to feel peace, to feel loved, to feel joy in your life. So it can be anything really, it can be anything, any kind of job or anything that you do. So it's not about what, what it is that you're doing, but how you do things that's more important. And that's, um, that's really the essence of Zen practice. Um, the more, um, to study first, you have to study why life is difficult, and uh, you come to realize that uh, you know. And with the combination of Buddhist teaching that uh, everything is impermanent, everything comes and goes. Life is what it is. In English, you know, I, I love to say it is what it is. I think that's such a <laughs> Uh, wonderful say. I don't. I don't know if people actually it means that. Um, I. I think a lot of people say that when when things are not favorable. Favorable, right? When 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 something that you know they say it, it, it sucks, right? And they say it is what it is. Um, but um, this saying is what it is. Is has a profound truth in it. It's just like. The weather, um, it rains or cloudy or you know, sunshine, whatever it is, it has nothing to do with what we think, right? But the way we react to the world. Um, and 
we create all kinds of stories in our head and thoughts. So even thoughts are not controllable. If you practice meditation, uh, you may notice that you have a very little control over thoughts. And one Zen master, Uchiyama Roshi, um, said, thoughts are like a secretions of your brain, uh, which means that, uh, you know, it's just like blood circulating in your body or heart keeps beating, but your body breathing, you really have no control of that. And thoughts are the same thing. And, and these thoughts, if you pay attention to it in your everyday life, it's non, it's, it's non-stop, right? It keeps talking. And this, these thoughts create this sense of me, the sense of self. In relation to what's happening outside of you, create emotions. Um, it might feel good, it might feel bad, you might be irritated, you know, and this thought, or you can call it a voice in the head, keeps talking. Pretty much everything you do, everything you look, it comments, keeps commenting on everything. So the marrow of Zen practice is really about be fully present. And when you're present, these thoughts stop. Um, in other words, if you are conscious of your mind, it stop for a moment, you know? So that's when you kind of like wake, like waking up, like you um, uh, come to your senses, so to speak. Like, oh, I was thinking, you know, that's the essence of spiritual path. So you do this over and over and over. Um, throughout the day, every minute of your day. And which you can do anywhere. You can do everywhere. You don't have to be in a retreat. You don't have to be in a Zen center. You can have a regular job and keep doing this practice. And so coming back to this text, I'd like to, I know I'm running out of time already. Um, Dogen asked these essential questions to the Zen master, I mean, the Tenzo. What are characters? And the Chinese Tenzo replies, one, two, three, four, five. And what is practice? There's nothing in the world that is hidden. So one, two, three, four, five, the Chinese, um, the Chinese Tenzo said, um, really means everything, but um, you know, characters literally means characters that you read on the text, like words, language. Um, so, what he's referring to the characters, um, I like that, that text that you read, uh, sutras, you know, or even Tenzo Kyokun or you know, Buddhist text. Um, we 
comprehend and function in this world through language. Right? Everything has names. Everything has names. Um, computer, TV, keyboard, book, table, whatever. And that's how we function in the world. And that's very important. But if you are fully conscious, if you're fully present, you know that there are no names, right? Um, again, it is what it is. And it's not something that can be described by words. That is a reality. And one, two, three, four, five um, has a really deep meaning in this context. It means that everything is pointing to the truth. So everything you see is like a symbol that is pointing to the truth. And then he goes, there is nothing in the world that is hidden. Which means that the truth is right in front of you. You know, it's not something that you have to do something special or you have to go somewhere. You have to be completely alone and sit in a cave to achieve enlightenment. I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. It's just that um, there is no, nothing special. You know, I, I think this is the tricky thing. So when, when people think about Zen, something special, but it's not. Um, yeah, so there's another koan, actually, I mentioned in my previous talk. Um, this little koan means widow. It's a, it's a story that guides you to the truth without um, without understanding, um, conceptually, under, conceptually understanding. It's, it's not something that you can conceptually understand. It's something that um, helps you to be in the present moment. So in this story, um, this Chinese new monk arrived in the monastery. And then he went straight to the Zen master the abbot of the temple to um, have a conversation and ask him a question. So what is enlightenment? He asked. And uh, uh, the Zen master replied, um, you just got here. Have you, have you eaten your lunch yet? And he said, yes, I have. And did you wash your bowl? And he said, no, I haven't. Then go do your dishes. And in the moment, the student um, reached the enlightenment. And that's the end of the story. So, you know, this story um, tells you that this new monk was thinking enlightenment is something special, right? But then teacher said, do your dishes. And he wasn't just dismissing this issue. And that's how it looks like it, you know? Like it, it, some people may think that uh, um, this uh, uh, teacher was saying, hey, you don't deserve to ask, ask me such a question. <laughs> no, that's not. Actually, he was actually pointing to the truth by saying that 
uh, doing dishes, it's not, um, if you are really fully present, doing dishes has no goal, right? We treat dishes as if it's something to get it out of the way. And it has a lot of meanings, right? Just like cleaning, it's a, such a boring task, right? It's nothing special. So it helps you to kind of let go of any idea of any activity that you do in your daily life and just be completely present and, and put your heart and soul into every single action throughout the day. That is the practice. And because you are not avoiding what you're not, um, you know, you're not getting attracted to something or you're not avoiding something, you're not pushing away or anything. You're just going with the life to flow, right? It's just like a following the schedule. Um, and if you have no preferences, then there is no struggle there. So how does that help you to be free? Um, you might think. And I think this is uh, what I personally realized that how powerful it is to do this practice and which can be done anywhere. Um, anywhere, you don't have to you know, be in a retreat or in center or you can do it anyway if you are disciplined enough. That the point is stay conscious. And first, you have to have the right understanding. The Zen practice is not about feeling good. Okay. And many people think that spiritual practice is to be free from struggles, free from difficult emotions. But actually, the opposite is true. It's about free, being free to difficult emotions. In other words, what one can say, true freedom means to be free from the desire to be free. And then you can be open to any human experiences without getting crushed. If that makes sense, um, while getting depressed, you know, it's almost eight o'clock. I can think about the timing. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go on for a few more minutes. So, um, I'm not a Zen teacher, um, so I'm kind of hesitant to, you know. Um, speak like I know better than anybody. Uh, but if you, if I may, um, having some understanding of this practice, yeah, I think what's really important and, and at the same time is difficult is it's not about feeling good. No. So difficult emotions are not avoidable in our everyday life. It, it, they arise. And the true practice is to not turn away from it, not pushing it down, not, you're not suppressing it, but fully meet it, fully experience whatever is arising in you, in your body. So if you're fully present, 
right? And you can practice it with little things in everyday life. Um, someone looks at you in a certain way, or when you're driving, someone cut you off, you know, someone telling you what to do, or someone encro encroaching your territory. It happens, you know, work every day, right? Or some feels like someone's stepping on the toe. Um, very little things you can start practicing with and, and stay alert. Be, watch your mind, watch your mind. As long as you can remember, just watch your mind and pay attention to your, what mind is saying. Okay. Um, because that's not who you really are. Who you really are is, is the one who's listening to the voice. So of course you have to have that understanding, you know, who you are. I mean, it's, it, it's a, such a big topic, I know. It's like enlightenment, right? Like self-realization. So you can start with who you are not. Okay, that's easy. Because the, this voice in your mind, it keeps talking all day, is not you. Of course, you know, that would make the practice much easier to um, practice with. So if you know who you are not, then have that understanding and then keep watching and keep letting go. Um, whatever that your mind is saying about what you're experiencing moment to moment, feel whatever arises in your body and then don't do anything with it. And after a while, we'll, we'll let you go. And that is the practice of releasing your karma, you know? When someone cut you off when you're driving and if that annoys you, it's really not about driving, you know? Or well, walk in a kitchen with somebody and someone annoys you, it's really not about cooking. It's something else that's in you that's been triggered, okay? It's, it can be, if you go deep, you, you know, it may be something to do with your self-worth, sense of self-worth, you know, maybe I'm not good enough, or you might not feel confidence. So you try to manipulate to make yourself look bigger, right, to, to look good. So our practice is to let go of any kind of manipulation and just feel this sense of whatever it is. It can be a sense of insecurity, certain sense of uh, nervousness, fear, anger, irritation, whatever it is. Don't push away. Don't distract yourself by looking at the phone. Just stay with it. And just keep doing that over and over and over. And that is the path to freedom. Um, I hope it was helpful. Um, I know it's 8.05 now. So I would like to end this talk with this uh, last poem that was written on this text. And maybe we can have a small group and uh, 
let's have a free conversation about this topic. Okay. So he says, one, seven, three, five, the truth you search for cannot be grasped. At night advances, a bright moon illuminates the whole ocean. The dragon jewel are found in every wave. Looking for the moon, it is here in this wave in the next. Thank you very much.